Welcome to the City Church Sermon Podcast. City Church is a new church located in the city of Frisco, Texas, just north of Dallas. Our hope and prayer is that the following message can serve as an encouragement and as a blessing and inspiration in your walk with Christ. If you have any questions about City Church and want more information about us or you want to visit during one of our Sunday celebrations, please visit us online at citychurchfrisco.org or email us at hello at citychurchfrisco.org. If you would like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at citychurchfrisco.org slash give. Thank you for listening. Uh, we've been discussing the past uh, few weeks, past couple of weeks, uh, what it means uh, to be who we are. Um, we are coming up to our one-year celebration. Uh, July 16th is the date that we've designated as the day that we're going to celebrate the existence of City Church for a whole year. This is something to be celebrated. Can we give God a hand praise for that? Amen. He has brought us to this place. There, it has not been without its struggles. It hasn't been without its challenges. But God has brought us here. And we are looking and we are expectant uh, for the next year. This next year is going to bring different challenges. This next year is going to bring uh, different sets of blessings that we haven't experienced yet. And it will bring new people also. Amen? Uh, we're believing, we are praying, and we are asking God for Him to continue connecting us with new people. And one of the things that you're going to start hearing moving forward is a lot about um, outreach, a lot about now, you know, we've gathered who we are. We are who we are here at this place. But we're going to move forward and we are going to bring people into this place because the same blessing that you've received in this place. How many have been blessed in this place? Amen. The same blessing that you've received in this place. It, we shouldn't keep it to ourselves. We, we shouldn't hoard it. Have you guys ever seen that show, Hoarders? We, we shouldn't be spiritual hoarders. We should be people that, out of the grace that we've received, we, 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 we continue to move forward and give that grace. Because the Word of God says that our cup will overflow. And out of that overflow that we've received love, we will overflow love. If we receive grace, we will overflow grace. So as we move forward, we will continue to minister to, to one another. Last week, we, we talked about um, that we are not, when we go to church, it's not going to a building. That Really, that is an incorrect term because we are the church. I was having uh, some, uh, we were having some frappuccinos at Starbucks on Friday and as I was talking uh, to Brother Julian, I was telling him, hey, you know what? We are the church here right now at Starbucks. When we are the church, it doesn't mean that we're at 9073 Berkshire Drive in Frisco, Texas. The church is present wherever you are. The Word of God says that where there are two or three present in His name. He is there also. So when we get together, we, we have to remember that we are the church. Though at times we may not feel very close to God, at times we may not feel very spiritual in our lives because of different things going on in our lives, but yet even through those moments where we are in our valleys, we continue to be the church. Amen, City Church? Amen. Amen. All right, so we talked the first week about being faithful. Last week we talked about... 
We are spiritual participants. And today we're going to talk about a subject that makes many people uncomfortable. We're going to be talking about that we are intentionally generous. We're not going to be talking about sex. That makes people uncomfortable. We're not going to be talking about, about divorce. That makes people uncomfortable. We're not going to be talking about gossiping and talking about one another behind people's back because that kind of makes us uncomfortable. We're going to be talking about money today. Oh, now that, that makes us uncomfortable. Even more so than some other subjects. Talking about money. Why, why is it that money... Talking about money makes us uncomfortable. In your heart, in your mind, think about this. Why is it that when the subject of money comes up, I, I think to at home sometimes when my sons all of a sudden walk up to me, hey, Dad, um, and I see this look in their face. I know exactly what's coming next. And it makes me uncomfortable because it means that I'm about to have to release something that belongs to me. And it's uncomfortable. And they feel uncomfortable because they are about to ask for something that, although for some reason they feel like they've earned it, they know that and they're going to get pushback. And they ask for money, whether it's for school, whether, oh, dad, you know what, I, I'm sorry, I forgot, but tomorrow I need to turn in $50. Well, what do you expect me to pull out $50 at midnight at night, 10 o'clock at night for tomorrow? I can't go to the ATM right now. Anyways, that's a whole different subject, right? But money, money makes us uncomfortable. See, Jesus said that wherever your treasure is, there your heart is also. And for many of us, growing up in an American society, growing up in a society where success and how far you get ahead in life is measured by the amount that you can find in your bank account, for many of us, we associate our treasure with money. And that's why Jesus said... Believe me, when Jesus said this, there wasn't Bank of America, there wasn't Chase's, there wasn't Wells Fargo's, there wasn't any of these places, but yet he knew very well. And he said, wherever your treasure is, there your heart is also. And see, many people, the thought, the thought is for many people that the church is out to get my money. Praise the Lord, everybody. The church is out to get my money. And I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not. There have been problems at different churches and different locations and different ministries with different leadership. There has been problems at churches with misuse of God's resources, with the misuse and the funds, with the misuse of stockpiling money. There have been those issues. I, I can't say no, oh no, everything is good at every single church. No, there have been those places where this is an issue and this is a problem. Here at City Church, I just want you to know that here at City Church, once a month, I have to give account as a pastor to my superiors. 
I hand over reports because they want to make sure that something right, that things are getting done right in this place. Quarterly, I give a report to our advisory team here at the church. Whether you knew this or not, there is an advisory team here at the church. We give quarterly accounts and they have all the right to ask me, well, pastor, what is this? Uh, sister, what is this? We're the treasure. What is going on here? And at the end of the year, this year, we're going to begin this year, we're going to give a year-end report to the whole church in general. We're going to talk about the, finance, the financial situation of the church, spiritual situation of the church, the administrative side of the church. And we're going to report that to you. We're going to report to you the wins. We're going to report to you the things that went well this year. And we're going to report to you the things that we want to improve on in the goals for the following year. Praise God. We want to be accountable because... The money that, that we receive and we talk about receiving our offerings and our tithes, I am not receiving it. But who The person receiving this is the church in general. It is the money of the church. It is the money of the Lord to do the things that we need to do as a church. You do know that this does not pay for itself, <laughs> Right? We are here and you feel cool and you have this nice building and there's the AC. There's all these things that we benefit from. But somebody pays the price. So we need to learn that as a church that we are and we need to get to a place where we are intentionally generous. So I'm going to answer two questions today. The first question is, why should you be intentionally generous? And the first answer to this question is that it is commanded in Scripture, quite simply. There's no way around this. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1 to 2 says, Now regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, you should follow the same procedure I gave to the other churches in Galatia. On the first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. And don't wait until I get there and try to collect it all at once. That there should be, he is commanding, Paul is commanding the church, get ready. There will be an offering, there will be a time of collection. And we shouldn't be at the end of the day trying to gather it and scramble it. That means that we should be intentional in our finances, and in our budgets, and knowing that, hey, Sunday's coming. Or the day that you can give, that day is coming, and I need to be ready. So number one, it's commanded in Scripture. Number two, it reflects the value of your heart. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It's interesting, I think, that how God, Jesus, as he's speaking, he's talking to the crowd. He's giving instruction that he chooses out of all the things that he could choose. You cannot serve God and the devil. You cannot serve God and pleasure. You cannot serve God, or he could have used a multitude of different things that you couldn't serve, but he chooses to say, you cannot serve God and money. 
Because the reality is the thing that is competing for our passion, the thing that is competing for our love for God and our service to God is our pursuit of the earthly desires, earthly successes in our lives. So when you and I are generous, it reflects the value of our heart and saying that, you know what, above all things, I serve God. I am not a slave to money. I am not a slave to funding. I'm not a slave to my job because I know who I serve. I serve God. And the third reason why you should be intentionally generous is that the work of, church, the, work of the church requires funding, quite simple. We are an organization that exists to spread the gospel of Jesus we are an organization who loves God and who loves people. And we are totally, totally dependent on God's grace to work in your lives to give to the church. It's quite simple. If it wasn't for your generosity, we wouldn't be here today. If it wasn't because you believed in the vision of City Church, we would not be able to give our monthly lease here. If it wasn't because you believed in what City Church is, we wouldn't have a curriculum to give to the young people that are outside, your students, your children, your kids. If it wasn't because of your generosity, we couldn't make, meet some of the needs that we are meeting. So if we are to continue having a place to meet where the word of God can be preached, and you can be ministered to, if we are to meet the needs of the community that we serve, if we are to ever one day have a full-time staff working to serve the church, working to serve this community, if we are to one day sponsor people to go to places where you and I can't go to preach the gospel, if we are to one day build in a, or acquire a building that we can call the place of the center of our operations as City Church, that will serve the church and serve the community for years to come, if we are to continue to disciple men, women, students, and children, we require funding. The vision of the church requires funding. And I'm going to be honest with you, church. The vision of this church is, is outpacing the funding. Our vision is greater than the funding. We have a great vision for this church. Uh, it, it, it surprises me. I, I talked to, to some of the team members and they, they, they expressed to me the dreams that God is putting in their hearts. The dreams that they're dreaming in the middle of the night. It's like, Lord, wow. You're going to do some amazing things. But all that is going to require lots of prayer and it's going to require very generous people at the church. So that's why we should be intentional in our giving, in our generosity, because it's commanded in Scripture, it reflects the value of your heart, and the work of the church requires funding. Now, how do we do this? How does being generous, how does this look in our lives? How do we plan to be generous? Number one, we got to be strategic. So we plan strategically. In Isaiah chapter 32, verse 8 says, but generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. 
So if you are a generous person by nature, have you, have you guys ever met someone that's generous? Have you? Like, they're so giving, and you're like, how in the world are they so giving? And have you ever noticed how giving they are, but yet they are so blessed at the same time? It's like they don't run out of stuff to give. They don't run out of resources to give. Have you ever thought that the two things are tied together? Have you never really truly thought about this? That Why is it that they're so blessed, but yet they keep giving so much? Do they not run out at some point, at some time? Because I know that if I gave like that, man, I would run out of money. I would run out of resources. I would run out of things. We're going to get into that, okay? We are strategically generous through tithing. So what is tithing? The tithe is 10% of any increase that God has given you. Is anybody uncomfortable yet? Are we good? (laughs) We're good. The tithe is 10% of any increase that God has given you. Now let me, let me, let me explain this a little bit, okay? Some people can look at this and say, wow, there's like a tax at the church. God said very clearly in first, in second Corinthians chapter nine, verse seven, each of you should give what you have decided in your hearts to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. The Bible instructs that out of our increase, that of everything that comes into our home, we should return to the Lord 10% because 10% belongs to God. It's his. It never was ours in the first place. This is his commandment. This is what he says. In Malachi verse chapter 3, verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Well, Pastor, I, I give. I, I, I don't give 10% of the church. I, I give to the Red Cross. I give to this organization. I, I, I give to some other people that, that are doing, they're preaching the word of God. I also send to this church that I, I know is really poor. I give. I do give. See, here in Malachi verse, chapter 3, verse 10, it says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. So what is the house of the Lord is the question here. This is God speaking, saying, bring so, I can, so there can be a food in the house. My house. Well, the house of the Lord is, is the temple. It's the place where you worship. It's quite simple. There's several churches down this road. There's several places over there. But this is the place where you have decided to call home. This is the place you've decided that this is the house of the Lord for me and my family. So if you and I are going to be obedient to God's word, and it says bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, then where you and I should be giving our tithes is where we call our home, our place of worship. So when we plan to be generous, we need to be strategic in giving tithing, in giving what God has already given to us, giving back to him. And and there's a reason why we need to do this, because tithing 
teaches me to put God first. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23 says, The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. I wanna, I'm going to reveal a secret to you. Wherever, 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 okay? This is a secret, yes. <laughs> wherever you want God to bless you in your life, you need to put him first in that area. You want God to bless your business? Put God first. You want God to bless your marriage? Put God first. You want God to bless your relationship with your parents? Put God first. You want God to bless your parenting and your children? Put God first. You want God to bless your time? Put God first. And yes, if you want God to bless your finances, put him first in your finances. I was listening to a testimony one time, and, and this is a businessman speaking, and he was giving a, a testimony of, of his life and how he had been struggling. And he says that the, that the best advice I can give you is that the best time for you to start tithing is when you're in debt. Because that's when you need the most help. See, a lot of us put up this excuse that I can't tithe because I owe here and I, I need to do this and, and, and I just can't pay everything that I need to pay. If you want God to bless your finances, we need to put him first in our finances. So this is what this looks like. I, I remember when my wife and I, we first got married, we struggled with this. We... Simply, we like to spend money, right? We, how many likes to spend money here? You like to go shopping. You like to go out to eat. Nobody wants to cook at home. Nobody wants to do this and then clean up. And it's just easier to go out, right? And as young, as a newlywed couple, that no one had instructed us how to budget, no one has showed us really how to handle our finances, we struggled quite a bit. For the first two to three years in our marriage, I am confessing to you, we did not tithe properly. I was a pastor's son. My wife is a pastor's daughter. And believe me, we heard it. We heard it. But our excuse was that we didn't have enough money. We couldn't tithe. And... Quite honestly, we didn't. We, we were struggling. We were living paycheck to paycheck, but, man, we were eating out all the time. Man, we were having a good time, but we were living paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. And we were very irresponsible in certain areas. But let me tell you that the day that when my wife and I, we were so fed up, we were so tired, and one of the biggest causes of divorce in the United States is arguments and problems and finances. I kid you not, we were in deep trouble in our marriage. We were in deep trouble in our finances. And my wife and I, we were just so tired of living the life we were living that we, we got down on our knees one day and we committed to God and said, Lord, what we're doing is not working one bit. The last chance we have is to finally put our trust completely in you and we are going to give to you. It doesn't matter if the bill collector is not happy with us. It doesn't matter if we have to get a different type of cell phone, a different type of car. We need to give to you first. 
And see, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus was telling the people, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things, these things he's talking about is clothing, food, anything that you need, all these things will be given to you as well. And when my wife and I, we learned to actually put this in practice, it was like a light bulb. Just you went to a switch and turned it on. We didn't get a, I didn't get a pay increase. My wife didn't get a pay increase. But now all of a sudden, our finances, our money, our income was enough to cover the things we had. I remember we were at home and, and um, we had just started tithing. And believe me, it wasn't easy. It wasn't. It wasn't easy. And we were tithing, though. That's the first thing we would go to the bank Back then, there wasn't all this, I mean, we're not that old, right? But back then, there wasn't all the advanced uh, uh, access on the internet to, you still had the dial-up stuff and everything. But we would go to the bank, we saw our pay stub, that we took out um, the 10%, and we set it aside in an envelope for Sunday to come around. I remember a few weeks, maybe a couple months after we were tithing faithfully for just a couple months, I remember that. For the very first time in our lives, in our home, we got a check in the mail that we were not expecting. We had never experienced this. We had heard of others, and we're like, Lord, when are you going to bless us with that? Why can't we get a random check in the mail? And it was our first return of our, uh, that we had paid too much in our escrow. Not expecting it. We did not know it. And it was a hefty amount. It was close to $1,000. Lord Jesus, you know, it's like, why have we not been doing this all this time? We're like, Lord, keep them on. Keep coming. We'll receive them all. <laughs> we will take them all. See, when you and I are struggling in our finances, we really need to examine our hearts. And we need to look. See, here's the thing, if, if I was to print out a bank statement right now to, and let every one of you guys look at it, you can pretty quickly see what's important in my life. You will see that my house is important to me because there's a good amount of my income that goes to that. You'll see that um, McDonald's breakfasts are pretty important to me because you'll see some of those amounts in there. You can tell... If you have access to somebody's finances, you can tell really quickly the things that are priorities in their lives. But pretty quickly, you're going to see in, in our finances, you're going to see that the city church is very important to us. And you're going to see, okay, well, yeah, they, they're tithing, they're faithfully giving, and, and there's these, these, um, these withdrawals from, from his, their account. You can tell from your bank account. And I challenge you this week. Pull out your last month's statement at the bank. So I see the smirks on people's faces. and You'll see what's important in your life. You will see the things that mean a lot to you. Because where the things that are a priority in your life, you have no problem giving. Praise the Lord, somebody. If you believe in it, you'll give to it. If you feel there's a benefit in it, 
There's no problem. Here it is. 300 channels, HBO, Cinemax, all this. Sure, no problem. <laughs> Although we never sit down and watch TV. We give to where our priorities are at. Putting God first. Listen to this, church. Putting God first releases us to be free. Because that's when you and I recognize, that's when you and I understand that He, only He, He alone is our source. He's given us many resources in our lives. Our jobs are a resource. The abilities that He's given us that we can contract and give to somebody for a service, that is a resource. But you know what? When that job is gone, when that resource is gone, we don't freak out because we know that the resource is not the source. We know that our source is God. Our source is Jesus. And it doesn't matter because we know that we're connected with him. We know that he's our provider and we're free. We're free of anxiety. We're free of, of worry. So tithing teaches me to put God first in my life. Tithing also increases my faith in God. I've said this several times as we were beginning and as when I would uh, more regularly pick up, uh, receive our, pick up the offering, I would say that 90% with God's blessings goes further than 100% without it. I would much rather budget with a 90% that's blessed than 100% that's cursed. Do you guys follow that? I would rather, much rather that, do that. But it takes faith to give first. Most of you here are married. If you're not married, you're, uh, probably there's a relationship. Guys, this is for the guys. I want you to understand something. For our wives... Or for our significant others, when you surprise them and you tell them, hey, um, this Friday, let's go on a date night. I got it all planned out. I got it ready to go. We got the babysitter. And I'm going to be the first one to say that I'm not perfect in this because I may hear about this a little bit later. But something happens in our spouse. Something happens in our wife's heart. That they realize that, you know what? He has made time for me. He has not waited to see if there's some time left over in the week. And maybe he can spend it with me and spend it, take me out to McDonald's somewhere or something. No, he's planned. He said, this is important for my wife. This is important for my marriage. I am going to take time this Friday, this Saturday, and I am going to devote four hours, five hours. I'm going to devote this time to my marriage, to my wife. I'm going to take her to a nice dinner, and I, maybe we'll go out and see a movie. Maybe I will take her to, the, to North Park, to Stonebriar Mall. I don't know where, but you're going to go somewhere. You're going to spend time, and you're not just going to take her to the store and wait in the car. You're actually going to. Hold her hand as you walk through the mall. The guys are like, oh, pastor. 
Why? Why? Because we all like to be put first. Same thing with God. God wants to be first in your life. When you and I receive our increase, whether it's weekly or bi-weekly, or those that get paid monthly, when we receive that increase in our, in our budget because we got our paycheck, the first thing that we should be looking to do before we budget anything is to give to God. God does not want you to give after you paid everything and said, okay, this is what I have left over. This goes to you, God. Because you and I don't like that. We don't want to feel like we're the last thing on our husband's mind, the last thing on our wife's mind. We want to feel like we're first. Tithing increases faith in God, but it takes faith to give first. If you don't give first, it doesn't take faith because you're giving your leftovers. Hello, somebody. You're giving your leftovers. God gave Jesus first. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, he did not wait for you and me to turn our lives around to say a couple of prayers, to do certain things correct before he gave his life for us. He says that while we were still in the middle of our nasty sin, while we were in the middle of our dirtiness, we were down in that muddy hole of our lives, he gave his life for you and for me. He didn't wait for us to have it all together. Could you imagine that before God could love you, you got to be this and this and this and that. We will never reach it. We're imperfect. Though we are saints, we are sinners. Because in our hearts, there is that nature within us. But his blood that Jesus gave on the cross for you and for me covers us from head to tell that now, now because you and I have put faith in God, we did not have to do a single thing but to believe that he did it for you and for me. Now we can be called righteous. Now we can be called saints. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God gave first. You and I should give to God first. It's quite simple. Out of the grace that we've received, that should spur us on to generosity. That should spur us on to want to be a people, a church that gives. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, I already read the first part where it says that bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. But it goes on saying, test me in this. Can somebody say test? Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing 
that there will not be room enough to store it. Tithing increases our faith in God because we begin to see his supernatural work in our lives. Yeah, I may have not gotten a pay increase at work, but for some reason now I can afford these things that I couldn't afford before. Because 90% that is blessed is much better than 100% that's cursed. So we give to God strategically through tithing. The second thing we do is that we give to God God sacrificially. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to actually ask you to turn your Bibles to 2 Samuel. If you don't have a Bible, I'll invite you to open your device and tap to 2 Samuel chapter 24. There's a very interesting story in 2 Samuel about King David. 2 Samuel chapter 24. As you're searching for that, I'm going to give you a little bit of context. In chapter 24, the very beginning, David calls some men and he tells them to go count all the fighting men. Go count the the, the army. Go make a census of the people. And see, this was an evil thing before God because God did not want David depending on the size of his army. God wanted David to depend solely on God, to depend on solely that God was with him. There was no reason for him to know how many people, fighting men he had. God had been with him the whole way through. So now God is angered with David. And in verse 11, chapter 24, verse 11, or let's start in verse 10. The Word of God says that David was conscience stricken after he had counted the fighting men. And he said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I've done. Now, O Lord, I beg you, take away the guilt of your servant. I have done a very foolish thing. Okay, so very typical. We do something that goes against God's will. We go and ask for forgiveness. Amen? We, that's what we do. We ask forgiveness. But with our sins, with our mistakes, though God does forgive, there are consequences to our sin. We tracking? Are, are we in agreement? There are consequences to the things that we do that go against God's will. God will forgive us, but there are consequences. In verse 11... It says that before David got up the next morning, the word of the Lord had come to Gad, the prophet, David's seer. And in verse 12 it says, Go and tell David, this is what the Lord says. I am giving you three options. Choose one of them for me to carry out against you. So Gad went to David and said to him, Shall there come upon you three years of famine in your land, or three months of fleeing from your enemies while they pursue you, Or three days of plague in your land. Now then, think it over and decide how I should answer the one who sent me. David said to Gad, I am in deep distress. Let us fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is great. But do not let me fall into the hands of men. So this is what's happening. 
God says there will be a consequence. There will be a punishment for your sin. You have to choose. And David very wisely chooses, I would rather be punished by you directly than by men because you are a merciful God. You are a God of grace. You are a God who loves us. And then we're going to jump to chapter to verse 18. So this is happening. God sent the plague to the land. And in chapter 18 and 24, chapter 24, verse 18, on that day Gad went to David and said to him, Go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aronah the Jebusite. So the prophet's telling him, Hey, Think it's a good idea that you go build an altar and offer an offering. Give an offering to God for the thing that you have done. And in verse 20, when Aaron looked and saw the king and his men coming toward him, he went out and bowed down before the king with his face to the ground. Aaron said, why has my lord the king come to his servant? To buy your threshing floor, David answered, so I can build an altar to the Lord that the plague on the people may be stopped. Aaronah said to David, let my lord the king take whatever pleases him in offering. And here are threshing sledges and ox yokes for the wood. O king, Aaronah gives all this to the king. Aaronah also said to him, may the Lord your God accept you. But here's where we need to pay attention. Verse 24. But the king replied to Aaronah, No, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen and paid 50 shekels of silver for them. David built an altar to the Lord there, sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then the Lord answered prayer in behalf of the land, and the plague of Israel was stopped. We have to understand that when you and I give an offering to God, there are the moments that need to come in our lives where we give to God sacrificially. We give to God something that truly, truly costs us something. A lot of the times we give to God, like I was just saying, we give to him what we have left over. Oh, I have a couple dollars in my pocket. I'll give that. This is, there's nothing sacrificial in that. There is nothing honoring in that. Luke chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, it's up here on the screen. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. All she had to live on. Now, this is not me telling you you need to give everything you have. No, don't misunderstand me. What I am telling you is that there are times when you and I are like in David's position. We need God to answer in our lives. We need God to, to give something, a, a response to a prayer that we have. What have you bring, what 
The question becomes, what have you brought to God as an offering? David understood, hey, there is this plague because of my sin. I did something very dumb, very foolish, and I need to bring before God an offering. Faith week is coming up. We've designated every month that has five Sundays in it, the last week leading up to the fifth Sunday, we're calling it Faith Week. This is the week where we encourage you to bring something before God, to pray for one another, and to ask God for big things in your lives. And on that fifth Sunday, we bring to God a sacrificial offering, an offering above and beyond what we normally give. So my question is to you, when was the last time you disappointed your family and said, you know what, family, today we were going to go out to eat at PDQ, because that's where City Church goes, PDQ. We're going to spend $30 there at PDQ, but I gave those $30 to the Lord. Today we go home and we eat. That's what I'm talking about when we're talking about sacrificial giving, that we give something up. Because we need God to answer something in our lives. And we, we give to God. This widow, she gave all she had. There was a need in her life. We don't know what it was. We don't know why she gave everything she had. But she gave everything she had. She had. The one person that caught Jesus' attention was not the wealthy just given out of their wealth. It was that poor person. That gave everything she had. Church, God has blessed us with more than we need. God has blessed us with more than we, we, we need. We will not trust in our wealth. We will not trust in our riches. But we will trust in him who richly provides. Because we have more, we will give more. Can someone say amen to that? Don't give like average people. Don't give like everybody else. Give like only you can. You know what God is giving you. I'm going to ask you to stand. As I close this message, God wants you to give generously. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Remember this, church. You will only harvest what you invest. Don't expect a great harvest when you've planted little. But when you're generous, just like those generous people that you know in your life, that they just give, but they're blessed. Expect great harvest in your life. Give generously to harvest generously. Luke chapter 6 verse 38 says, Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I like the New Living Translation because it, 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 it's a little bit more detailed. And it says in the, in the New Living Translation, Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Press down, shaken together. Why? 
to make room for more. Running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will, re- will determine the amount you get back. The more time you invest in your marriage, the better marriage you will have. The more time you give to your children, the better relationship with your children you have. The more you give to God, to those in need, the better off your blessings and your finances will be in your life. I challenge you, church. Be sure of this, that you and I, we cannot outgive God. We can't. 